sometimes you just feel tired, feel weak, and when you feel weak, you feel like you want to just give up, but you gotta search within you, try to find that inner strength, and just pull that shit out of you, and get that motivation to not give up, and not be a quitter, Till I collapse, I'm spilling these raps Long as you feel them to the day that I drop You'll never say that I'm not killing them Cause when I am not, then I'ma stop pinning them And I am not hip-hop, and I'm just not Eminem Subliminal thoughts when I'ma stop spinning them Women are caught in web, spin them in heart Alright, we are back live um, I think Facebook was working Alright Reintroduce me well, Facebook is not wanting to work, so I'm I'm giving up on Facebook. So I want to do my Facebook live through my phone. So anyway, thank y'all for joining the best pound for pound sports talk radio show around here on 88.5 WCUG Cougar Radio. And you can also, again, listen to us via SoundCloud by Type it in WCUG Cougar Radio or 88. Just type in WCUG on SoundCloud. You'll find us. Go click drop the gloves. Give it a share and give it a listen. And uh, thank you for making us part of your wonderful day. So my phone is on 20%. Well, another news. Again, this is, I apologize, everyone. Uh, for this, this is seven minutes we're going in. This is unprofessional radio, but I had a malfunctioning um, on Facebook Live, and I'm having to restart almost everything. So I guess I'll start off first um, with the Georgia-Florida game and what happened this past weekend. And I know Georgia won, but I have a different take on what happened this past weekend. and. I don't know if many Georgia fans are going to like it, uh, but honestly, it's the truth. And I think a lot of Georgia fans, if they're smart, they understand um, what's going on as well. Um, so uh, Georgia beat uh, Florida 36-17. to Brian Harrion, friend of Doc East Wright. Let's get it. Give him a quick shout-out. We're going to get him on the show one day. Yeah. I'm going to hold off on that because I want people to chime in on Facebook Live. So I have, give me two minutes, if you can give me a minute to type this Facebook out. So I, the main thing I want to talk about, I'm going to write on here too, um, about Facebook is what happened with this LeBron debate. And I want to get your take on it. Um, what LeBron posted on Facebook, uh, or was it Instagram or Twitter? Uh, it, was Twitter. it was Twitter. Of the, the promo video of the Packers-Patriots game next week, which is, they're both wearing the same number. Yeah, it's Michael Jordan. Yeah, and Michael Jordan in the you explain the explain the uh, commercial if you can. Um, it was just Michael Jordan basically saying, uh, you know, they wear the same jerseys. It's a debate that's been going on, uh, you know, and LeBron took it as maybe Michael was talking about him and LeBron, but LeBron, you got many, many, many years, many more accomplishments you have to do to even get on Michael Jordan level. That's a whole nother discussion, but. Uh, it definitely wasn't about LeBron and Michael. It was Tom Brady <laughs> and Aaron Rodgers, number 12. Not- so what's your take on that, though? What, what did you think LeBron needs to say in his lane, or you really don't care? Um, I really don't care. Um, LeBron has been doing this type of trolling type of thing, you know, standing in the news with all type of stuff. So 
Uh, I mean, he went to L.A. Lakers for crying out loud. So, to be honest, I could care less. I think it's another ploy for him just to be in the news. He's in L.A. Why not stay relevant, right? He's on stage with Drake. You know, he got to keep his momentum going. So, that's how I took about it. It's, it's LeBron James. How do you feel about your Lakers, though? Uh, it's been the same since Kobe was there. I mean, starting off first 10 games almost, and uh, we're barely at two or three wins. So, we're on pace for a 35-40 win season. Not bad. What's your what's your expectations though? What do you what would you want as a as a Laker? You you analyze the Lakers all the time. What's your expectation? Are you expecting championship or not? <laughs> to be honest, I would like us to just make it to the playoffs, eighth uh, seed. Remember where you came from? Like I keep saying, remember you, where we come from. I mean, I'm a true basketball fan first, and then you know, Laker fan and everything else. But for us, just to make the eighth seed would be amazing. I would. I feel like we won the championship if we get that. But uh, to sit up here and really honestly say, oh, we're going to the finals, we got LeBron, and we're going to sweep the, the Warriors, we're going to get past the Warriors. That, that, you're lying to yourself. You're lying to the fans. You, this is not the East. I'm sorry, LeBron. It's not going to be a cakewalk. Every night, every night you're going to have somebody coming at your neck. I mean, the Pelicans are playing tremendously. Is that who your, your surprise team so far early in the season has to be? I mean, I wouldn't say surprise. I mean, the Pelicans, they, they got a nice – I mean, Anthony Davis, uh, Drew Holiday. I'm always a big fan of Drew Holiday. He kind of fell off. You know, his, him and his wife, you know, had some uh, – you know, she was sick. So, you know, he kind of took the back seat to that. But I always believed in his game and Anthony Davis. So, uh, they're not really a surprise. It's just a timing thing with them. And then they adding Julius Red uh Julius Randall. So I knew, you know, adding somebody special of his talent was gonna make a big change. You know, you seen the first night, the top three big men had triple doubles or something like that. They all scored some outrageous stats. So All right. Thank you for that. We are live on Facebook right now and I'm trying to find a good destination for this. Wow. Got to change the. There we go. Well, I'm trying to find the the right place to do this. Maybe maybe you can hold it. I mean, I can't I can't even get this right, and I think we're on live right now. Can you check Facebook Live for me real yeah, quick? Yeah, you're, you're on live. Am I on live? Okay. Yeah. All right, guys. 12 minutes into the show. This is probably the worst show I've ever done. I apologize. Again, you can, everyone can blame this computer right here for messing me up. I had it perfectly on Facebook Live, ready to rumble, and it doesn't want to work, so I apologize, but all is well. Uh, like I said in the comments, a lot we're going to get into. Still have about a good 50 minutes before we end the show. Um, joined here by my co-host, Doc Keith Wright, co-host yes, as of now. Like I said, we just we're gonna get in LeBron goat debate. I, I'm sick of everybody talking about this LeBron goat and LeBron egging it on. To be honest with you, is like, why? It doesn't make sense to me. Why would you want this added pressure on yourself? So we're gonna get into that and more. Um, again, I wish my camera would turn. <laughs> I'm just having all type of difficulties.
just can't get the camera. I don't know where to put it because I need it to charge. Um, maybe you could prop it on that that thing right there, that black. Uh, maybe you could prop it on that. Oh, there we go. That's why I'm here. All right, that's why he's here, exactly. All right, guys, thank y'all for joining us again here. Nothing was handed. Um, I don't understand why the camera's not moving, though. Anyway, and people are turning out. I, I wouldn't blame you for tuning out. I mean, it, this is the most unprofessional thing I've, I've done in my professional career, so. First things first, I want to get into is like Doc, he said, this LeBron debate that is happening. Um, yeah, it, it's it's getting old now. I, I wish it would stop, to be honest with you. Um, it's tiresome. It's two different positions, two different eras, two different time periods. It, you can't translate it into um, matching each other up. I mean, he's Jordan said it perfectly in the video. I mean, you got to play one on one. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen ever. So let's get out of this in our heads that this is going to happen. It's not going to happen. And let's go ahead and have, uh, again, the mindset of enjoying watching LeBron play basketball. Uh, one of the things that I have harped on when discussing this LeBron debate is the thing that the tangible thing that many people miss out on when talking about LeBron, uh, Kobe, and Michael Jordan, which is this killer instinct. And I'm not saying LeBron is doesn't have clutch moments, but what I am saying is that LeBron James sometimes have a, has a tough time in game moments of wanting to step on someone's neck. And when you're playing one-on-one and we're discussing the greatest of all time debate, one thing is for sure, as, can you close those blinds for me? Uh, one thing is for sure is that you would have to drop, I mean, you would literally have to drag Kobe and Michael off the court, and they would have basically have to be dead before they would walk off and know that they'd have to live, live the rest of their life knowing that LeBron James is better than them. They wouldn't do it. It's not going to happen. So I'm tired of that debate. I think what LeBron was doing was just trying to egg something on, trying to get something started. I don't know why he's trying to stay relevant because he's already relevant. So, I, I again, I, I don't understand what he was trying to do. Maybe it's just he wanted to start something, which is fine with me. Uh, guys, I, I really, I honestly do not care. Um, so, again, thank you all for joining us. We're here, Facebook Live. Normally, we have a better angle. But as of now, I'm having to sit here and hold my phone. Um, so, again, thank you all for joining us. You can also listen at, at 88.5 WCUG Cougar Radio or on SoundCloud, WCUG, and then click on the Drop the Gloves tab, give it a share, give it a listen. Uh, a couple of big games happened this weekend. Uh, one of them was Georgia-Florida. Um, I'm going to give my take on that. And like I said, Justin Fields is the biggest thing I want to talk about outside of what happened this past weekend. Okay. Uh, Justin Fields, uh, the five-star quarterback of uh, Georgia, is deciding to transfer, I think, in his mind already. This hasn't came out yet. This is just an opinion of mine. 
I am hearing rumors that after the game, he is having his towel over his head like he is defeated. And you only have that type of mindset after a big-time win when you are promised playing time and you're not getting it. A talent of his is not going to sit around, and I've told Georgia fans this over and over again, the biggest question mark coming into this season is how the quarterback position is handled at the University of Georgia. And you see what is happening now at the University of Georgia. Fromm has now played excellent after the bye week. I think that's going to continue on, including the Auburn and Kentucky next week, Auburn the week after that, until they play Alabama. But I don't, I don't think Jake Fromm's good enough to beat this Alabama team or moving forward unless they have an elite defense winning a national championship. I think Jake Fromm is a really good quarterback. But again, what is asked of quarterbacks to be able, as you hear the train going by, they love blowing the horn. Why, this is Columbus, Georgia, why would you have a train going in the middle of the day, especially the busiest <laughs> time of the day, 618, when most people get off work? Um, doesn't make sense, but that's Georgia for you, Columbus, Georgia. Uh, so like I was saying, Je- Justin Fields uh, has this deflated look because I think he was promised play in time. Now, Jake Fromm played good on, on Saturday. He's not losing his position. I think he's going to continue to play well. But now, because you have not played Justin Fields... And I think that it was more of a Kirby Smart sticking it to the media saying, hey, I'm not playing fields at all. And now I think you have a chance of losing him. And I think he's going to transfer. Fromm's not leaving for another two years, I don't, especially next year. He's coming back at least next year because he's a junior. He can't leave till your junior year. I think it's going to be his senior year. He's not sitting for two more seasons, Justin Fields. Isn't. He's transferring. So with Justin Fields transferring, Now Georgia has a mantra of promising playing time and not giving it to him. This hurts in recruiting. Second, a talent like Justin Fields can come back and bite you in the you-know-what. It can bite you if, if, if you do not. Wow. If you don't take care of it and try to keep him in-house because Justin Fields can go play at Florida he can go play at Tennessee. I'm not saying this is where he's going to go, but Auburn. And these are all schools that could use a quarterback like him and playing against him. And now he has his chip on his shoulder to, to, to prove something to y'all. That's a scary outtake. Scary outtake. So for, for Georgia, I think that was more of a loss if you're a Georgia fan than a win. Yes, you're winning the East. There's no doubt about it. I think you blow out Kentucky, even though I do have some question marks with Kentucky. Game coming in. I think the way you played against Florida – Shows that you do have so much talent. Holloman, why he's not getting featured more is a joke. Um, but he has so much talent. And I think, again, with all that is surrounding Georgia, the best thing they got going for him this year is for Fromm to be improved. Okay? And for Jake Fromm, and, and J. Rome, you're joining me right now, so please comment. And for Jake Fromm to become the quarterback that can win a national title. Because I think Fields is that guy and he ain't even played a snap yet. I'm not saying Jake Fromm isn't. He took y'all to the National Championship game last year if you're a Georgia fan. But when you brought in Fields and you already had Fromm, I just wonder what was promised of him and this can hurt you in recruiting. So again, this weekend, I think this is more about outside the game than what actually happened on the field. Because what happened on the field, I was not actually impressed. I thought that it was a game in which Georgia showed their talent and just end up dominate later in the second half, which all more talented teams do. They just wear you down. But if we're going to talk about 
what happened in the first half and eight plays at the one-yard line not scoring a touchdown, that's Gus Malzahn. For you Georgia fans that pride yourself on not having Gus Malzahn, what happened at the goal line last on, on Saturday was Gus Malzahn to a, a T. Perfect Gus Malzahn. Eight plays at the one-yard line and not getting a touchdown and having to kick a dang field goal. I wasn't impressed. You weren't able to move the football on them. And if Felipe Franks is not the worst quarterback in the SEC, which I think he is, I think Florida's up by at least 10 points or more in the first half. Dan Mullen called the best game he's probably called all season. They couldn't capitalize because they don't have a playmaker at quarterback. Justin Fields sees that, though. And Justin Fields sees the playing time and what kind of offense they're running. They want to let Felipe Franks run. They dang sure will let Justin Fields run. And I think he saw that this past Saturday. So, yes, Florida lost. But then I also thought they may have won in recruiting-wise because then Dan Mullen came out and even had a little bit of a jab saying that their freshman quarterback played more than Georgia's. I think that's I think he knows what he's doing. So, Georgia fans, uh, all is well. You still have a ton of talent. Championship aspirations are there. But moving forward, this is something to keep an eye on, most definitely. Uh, moving on from that, like I said, Wendell will be here on Wednesday. We do our Facebook Live show here at the WCUG Cougar Radio Station on the corner of 9th and Broadway. So we'll get more in-depth with that conversation since he's a Georgia fan. And I'm going to talk a little bit about Alabama-LSU, not too much. Uh, I already went into LeBron-GOAT debate. Uh, I may do a little bit of that in the second half. Good, a little bit into the World Series. I want to talk about Tom Herman, Hugh Jackson, and I want to get in-depth into uh, the NFL. So y'all stay tuned. Again, we're on 88.5 if you want to hear us there on the radio. Also on SoundCloud. You can also listen via a TuneIn Radio app on your phone. TuneIn Radio app. Everybody should have it. Type in WCUG Cougar Radio, and you'll hear us live right now. So please do that, or call in at 706-507-8617, or leave a comment. Not one of our better Facebook lives, because I'm having to do it on my phone, but it's okay. Uh, nothing we can do about it. So five minutes um, before I go to break, I'm going to end the show close to about 6.05. I'm going to go a little bit over, I mean 7.05, a little bit over than I normally do. Um, got into the fields debate. A little bit of a preview of Alabama and LSU. Um, I cannot wait for this game. And normally, after that 9-6 game, I was never a big fan of Alabama-LSU because I thought it was always boring. But this year, uh, LSU's going to have to score points to, to keep up with uh, Alabama. I mean, there's no question. This is not going to be another 9-6 game. Uh, it could be low scoring. Bama's averaging close to 58 points a game. That obviously is not going to happen against LSU defense, I don't think. But who knows with how good Alabama 2 is. But I think this type of game is going to be around 24-13, 24-16. I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. The first half, LSU's fans are going to carry, I think, LSU's offense and the momentum and the atmosphere and how loud it is in Baton Rouge, Louisiana at 8 o'clock at night on CBS and if you look at the schedule next week, college football-wise, there are only two primetime games, and they both reside in the SEC on CBS as well. 3:30 game is between Georgia and Kentucky. That's for the East Championship. And then later that night is for the West Championship, Alabama-LSU. By the way, all four teams should be in the top ten. I think Kentucky's going to be in the top ten. I know Alabama-LSU and Georgia are all going to be in the top ten, probably maybe even close to the top five. Um, so, Really looking forward to this matchup. I think the momentum and the atmosphere is going to carry LSU. Uh, Primetime game for at least a half, but then Alabama wears them down and goes on to win the game. But I'm looking forward at it. Uh, Georgia-Kentucky, 
We're going to get into it on Wednesday. I'm going to keep this food for thought. The two things that you have questioned the most with Georgia over the last two weeks, LSU and Florida, and by the way, look, we talked about how weak your schedule is. Georgia has the potential of playing four straight uh, ranked teams and three straight top 10 teams. Shows you that the East is back, right? Um, two things to look at. One, you didn't do a good job stopping the run against Florida. Yeah, you only gave up close to 200 yards, 170, but that's a lot for a team that is not good at running the football and was one-dimensional against Georgia. They couldn't throw the football. Number two, stopping, I mean, um, being able to run the football. Yes, Georgia established a run against Florida, but it was later on the game. They didn't do it. They did it a good job in the first half against Georgia, LSU and went away from it. So, establishing the run and stopping the run. Two things that Kentucky is their biggest strength. Their defensive line and defensive front seven and the ability to run the football because they can't throw the football. They've won back-to-back weeks off of 15-14 last week. Uh, don't score a lot of points. Lost to Texas A&M in overtime 20-14. This Kentucky team wants slow scoring. They're going to have a lot of momentum. LSU and Kentucky, both going to be underdogs against Georgia and Alabama next week, playing at home, looking forward to the SEC. By the way, A&M and Auburn are playing. I think that's a big game. One for A&M just lost to Mississippi State, so all that momentum they had been building is now starting to dwindle down. But if they're able to win this game and go 8-3, and three, stay in the top 25 when they play uh, LSU at the end of the season, finish 8-4, and four, I think that's a good season for, for um, Jimbo Fisher. But, but if Auburn can manage to win, they could eventually be 6-3, and three, play Georgia next week, and contend, maybe even beat Georgia. If Malzahn can win out be 8-3 and three when they play Alabama, I would deem this season a turnaround success for Malzahn from where it's at. Now, I'm still not a believer of him. He should be fired. I think the locker room's done, but they were able to win last week or two weeks ago against Ole Miss. <coughs> but that A&M game's big for both programs. It's not a win or, win or take all for AM. It's more bigger for Auburn, especially at home, because I think if they lose that game, they lose to, um, all, at Georgia and lose to Alabama 6-6 six and six this year when you start top 10, you got to raise questions. I mean, that's the second time in Malzahn's five-year career since he's been at Auburn, a six-year career, that he started in the top 10, top five, and it's finished 6-6 six and six at the regular season. So, again, guys, the biggest thing coming in that I've talked about with Auburn is it being able to establish a run. If they can create any momentum running the football, that's when Sidham's at his best. But I, Sidham, I hopefully over this bye week has gained some confidence back because I didn't see any confidence from a guy that was, I'll, to be honest with you, maybe the best quarterback in the SEC last year towards the season against Alabama and Georgia in back-to-back weeks, and now you're seeing a shell of himself. So, um we're going to get into more of Auburn and AM preview, all this on Wednesday. I got a little bit more uh, review from this week's college football games. Got some NFL to get into, World Series talk, a little bit of NBA, and I want to talk a little bit about Duke basketball and what's happened in college basketball, but we won't get our preview until next week. Uh, this is WCUG 88.5 Cougar Radio, and we you are listening to Drop the Gloves. And we're on Facebook Live as well, guys. We're about to take a minute and a half break. Facebook Live still going to be going. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back here on 88.5 WCUG. Cougar Radio.
Australia. And we are back live here on 88.5 WCUG Cougar Radio. What's up, Mabel? Thank you for joining us here on Facebook Live, guys. We have been talking Justin Fields. We talked Georgia. If you miss it, go back. Go listen on SoundCloud, or you can listen to us via the TuneIn Radio app as well. TuneIn Radio app. Search WCUG. Give us a quick listen. I'm here with Doc East Wright of Nothing Was Handed. His headphones need to be on. I don't know why they're not on. Uh, you think he doesn't know how to do radio with a guy that is partnered with him that does radio. Unbelievable. Um, Unbelievable. You, thank you for that tune in. Uh, great analysis. Doc East Wright. Okay, so like we'll I said. We'll go live. <laughs> uh, moving on from. Guys, please, again, share the video. Leave a comment. Thank you for being a part of the show. Nothing Was Handed TV, broadcasting live on Facebook. And we are on 88.5 WCUG Cougar Radio. Call in at 706-507-8617. Or you can just listen via the TuneIn Radio app, like I said, for Crystal Clear live streaming. Search WCUG SoundCloud immediately following the show. Go and tune in to that as well. Give it a share. Give it a listen, however and whenever you would like Thank you for being a part of our wonderful Monday night show here on the corner of Ninth, Ninth in Broadway. So let's move on from nothing was handed. I mean, nothing was handed. Well, my mind's not focused. Let's move on from we were talking about Alabama LSU. We were getting into a little bit of preview of Georgia, Kentucky. Now I want to dissect, if you will, um, what is going on. And Michigan, uh, I I think Michigan had a bye this week. Don't quote me on that. Let me look it up. I'm sure Johnny Buckets will join in soon. Uh, Michigan football. I think they're the only thing that is saving them from making the Big Ten championship. And what is funny is you watch, you know, Purdue just completely uh, dominate. I mean, smash, embarrass. Ohio State uh, last week, and they go on to lose to Michigan State this week. And so what I'm thinking about it with Ohio State is, how in the world can you look at them as a committee and want to put them in the championship outside the fact that you just think they got a lot of talent and it would make a good game? Because I don't. Because over the last few years when he makes the playoff, they get dominated. 2016, 30 to nothing. The last two seasons? Iowa, Oklahoma, Purdue, Michigan State in 2015 with a backup quarterback. We went off on Ohio State last year, I mean last week. But if you are talking about the Big Ten, I don't know how you do not say Michigan is not winning the Big Ten championship this year and making the playoff. Their defense is elite. Their offense is getting better. And honestly, I think Jim Harbaugh is a better coach than Urban Meyer in game situations. But when it comes to creating a staff, I mean, there's no doubt, there's no question uh, that how good Urban Meyer is. But with the Big Ten, I think it's coming now where it 
SEC may get two teams in, depending on how the season ends out, even a two-loss Georgia team, depending on what happens in the SEC championship game, because the Pac-12's done. The only hope they had was Washington. Now, Washington State 7-1, and one, but they're 14th. Even if they went out, I don't think they have a chance to make the playoff because how bad the back 12 is. Um, the Big 10, I mean the Big 12, Oklahoma's the only shot they got with Texas getting upset last week. And I'll get into Tom Herman here in a moment. Um, Big 10, you got Michigan and maybe Ohio State, depending on who you're asking. Or Honestly, if they beat Michigan and went out, they probably would make the playoff. I don't I would leave them out, but I don't see how the committee would because how enamored they are with Ohio State being in the playoff. But ACC, Clemson, and that's it. SEC has Georgia, Alabama. Kentucky, really, if they went out, still has a legit chance, even though I don't think anyone's saying they're going to make it. And um, Alabama, Kentucky, LSU, Georgia. So we'll see how it plays out. But the reason I brought up the Big Ten is because Honestly, I, I think there's only about six teams throw Notre Dame in there that are going to make the playoff this year. There's, There may be a two-loss team. Teams are still losing. Uh, and I, Depending on how the season plays out, I, I still see maybe an SEC team depending on how it plays out. But the way it's looking now with teams getting upset and the Pac-12 being out and one team in the Big Ten or two teams in the Big Ten, one team in the Big 12 playing for it, there's multiple in the SEC, one in the ACC, and then you got Notre Dame. I mean, there's not a, a lot of spots playing for. So I, a two-loss team has to be, has to be, I think has to be thinked about. And that's why I'm saying Georgia and in the SEC, watch out depending on how they play the rest of the season. They're able to blow out Kentucky. Kentucky goes 10-2. Auburn, you know, they need to beat Auburn. But Auburn, if they can finish 7-5 and five and look decent, that's a decent win. LSU, they need to finish 10-2, and two, no worse, and losing Alabama. And Florida needs to finish, you know, 10-2 and two or 9-3 and three this year. So Georgia looks good. They need the winning to continue. Um, but there's something that happened this past weekend that really got on my nerves, and that's Tom Herman. And I understand as a coach, you thought that Mike Gundy was talking trash to one of your players. And as a coach, I know you wanted to defend your player, okay? But you didn't run on that field for that. And you can say you did, and yes, it was a little bit of reason because that, that guy, that was over the line. You felt that was over the line, and that that's what took you to the spot where you were running on the field ready to fight someone. But you were mad because you just choked a game away in which you thought this year you had a chance to play for a playoff, and now you don't. Now we're losing to Oklahoma State and Maryland. Oklahoma State still got to play Oklahoma this year. And West, I mean, uh, I think they already played West Virginia, but if they didn't, they still have to play West Virginia as well. I'll look that up real quick while I'm talking. Um, but like I said, that's why Tom Herman on the field. So that's why I have a problem with it. Uh, I I honestly don't understand what he thought he was what he was doing when he ran out on the field. Uh, I I guess he thought he was going to fight Mike Gundy, and you saw Mike Gundy's reaction. And Mike was never trying to – he doesn't seem the type of guy that would try to fight. I mean, this is the same dude that said he's a man, he's 40, don't call out kids. So what is he going to do, talk trash to kids? I mean, Tom knew that. I think Tom knew that. He just wanted to run on the field. And, yes, Oklahoma State also played West Virginia at home and Oklahoma at Oklahoma. They could very easily finish 7-5 and five this year. So this is another 6-6, six 7-5 and six, seven and five team they lost to Maryland, Oklahoma State. Uh. Both not at home, but still. That's why Tom Herman was mad, and that's why I got a problem with Tom Herman. Are you kidding me? Control yourself as a grown man. Trying to fight and embarrass your program. you, And then you wanted to make it about the players. I mean, it, 
I guess we could buy into that logic that, yeah, you, you thought Mike Gundy was talking trash, so you're going to defend your player, you're always going to defend your player. I'm not saying you're not a player's coach, but you were mad already because you choked that game away. So that just gave you reason to run out there because you were mad at the guy beating you when you had the better team. I think that was completely obvious. So that's my take on Tom Herman. Um, still think he's a good coach, but she choked it away. He still have learning to do. That's what I think people are starting to understand now. And same with Gus Malzahn, but I, I – I don't mind Malzahn making mistakes, but when you lose a locker room, that's where I draw the line where he needs to be fired. Coaches are going to make mistakes, especially when they had no prior experience. Kirby Smart's dealing with it, okay? When you've only been a coach for five, six seasons, Tom Herman only four or five, Kirby Smart only two or three, they're still learning. Nick Saban's all had to learn when he first started. I mean, it is in year 25, 30. Think about that. Think where Kirby and them are going to be in 25, 30 years. So, again, they're learning as they go. But I just thought he handled himself wrong in that game. I know that something else happened this weekend. Or today, actually. Hugh Jackson was fired. What you just heard is how many people care about Hugh Jackson getting fired. None. Hugh Jackson's the worst coach in the NFL. In the NFL's ever had. And it's not even close. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Again, guys that are joining in. Wendell's sick. He'll be back with us on Wednesday. Um, what was I just saying? Who was I just going off on? Who was I just going off on? He don't even know. This man's not even paying attention. Sitting there doing a show, this man's not even paying attention. Um, doing some marketing for the uh, for the business and the brand. And uh, what we don't we don't do that. Can you stop? Um, I just completely lost my train of thought. Hugh Jackson, no one cares. Yeah, let me tell you why. He's the worst coach in NFL history. He tried to make it about the offense. His game management, his ability to coach football is trash. He should have been fired a long time ago, and I'm glad they did this because Hugh Jackson, I mean, um, Todd Haley and Greg Williams are both great coaches. They need somebody that is going to oversee them, and it's not Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson should have been fired several years ago. Mike Lombardi wrote an article or went on a radio show, one or the other, saying that Hugh Jackson didn't know the, the basic fundamental terms of football, and he's a head coach. He's the type of guy that doesn't know anything about film, review, but wants to take all the credit. And what he did last week, calling out the, the offense, is just him trying to make a move. It's not my fault. Fire someone else. You're a joke, Hugh. Glad you were fired. You should have been fired, which makes no sense. Mike Pettin goes 7-9, okay? And they were 7-4 at one point in 2014. They fire him after that year. Seven and nine. This man has gone one and fifteen, zero and sixteen, and now it's two five and one, and managed to make it to year three. How? No idea. Terrible coach. Absolutely terrible coach. wasn't really high on him when he was coaching with Cincinnati, and I watch he'll end up being there anyway because him and Marvin Lewis are both overrated and average, and that's what Cincinnati stands for. Marvin Lewis coaching fifteen years in the league. Not one playoff win. Made the playoff seven times. 0-7. 0-7. And there's been plenty of talent. I promise you that. All right. Hugh Jackson got into that. Now I want to get into a little bit of NFL and what actually some of the games that happened this past weekend. Uh, I know the Patriots and Bills play tonight. That's going to be a blowout. I mean, I'm I'm probably not even going to watch the game, to be honest with you. 
Mahomes looked good again, 303 yards, four touchdowns. Nothing really you want to say anything about him. Falcons were on a bye week, and the Rams are undefeated as of now. And this has really been the talk of the town. Um, is Couldn't the Rams go stay undefeated? They play at the Saints next week. Seahawks, Chiefs, at the Lions, at the Bears, Eagles, at the Cardinals, 49ers. There is, they're going to be favored almost in every game. I think they'll even be favored against Rams. I mean, the Saints next week. And the Saints-Rams next week, by the way, battles first-team uh, teams. 6-1 and one Saints, 8-0 Rams. Should be a fun game next week. By the way, who else plays next week? Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers. As Miss Carey says, go Chiefs. Yep, the Chiefs are I, my most favorite team to watch in the NFL. Uh, they're like a college team. How many points they score? Saints-Rams, Packers-Patriots next week. Should be the best weekend of NFL we have seen in a long time. And then you got Alabama, Kentucky, Georgia, uh, Georgia, Kentucky, Alabama, LSU. I mean, jam packed, jam packed weekend. Looking forward to it. Right now, if you were to ask me who are my MVPs so far in the NFL, I would say it has to go to Todd Gurley uh, and Patrick Mahomes. Now, if you have to give one, I, I'm going to give two. One. For the NFC, one for the AFC. The NFC, it's got to go to the best team and the best player on the best team, which is Todd Gurley, and it is the Rams. I would do Drew Brees as number two, and in the AFC, it's Patrick Mahomes. And honestly, I'd go Tom Brady right after that and Phillip Rivers. Um, Tom Brady's always there. He's the greatest of all time, and it's not even close. That debate's going to continue because we're talking about how talented Aaron Rodgers is. But I, talent can only get you so far when Tom Brady's winning championships. He is putting up numbers. And winning championships, so I don't understand the ability to say that Aaron Rodgers is better than him. Tom Brady's still putting up numbers. This is not a game managing quarterback. This is a guy that brought back a team down twenty eight to three on his back with no running game to win a Super Bowl against the Falcons, which without Rob Gronkowski, without Rob Gronkowski, I I don't understand the debate they're having with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers makes these unbelievable throws. I remember in twenty fifteen against the Cardinals. He makes a throw from the end zone, falling away to, uh, I can't think of the receiver's name. He threw it to him twice, threw it and get, catches it at the 50, and then he goes and throws a Hail Mary from the 50-yard line on the run, on his back shoulder, fading away, 60-yard bomb for a touchdown. Yeah, that's impressive, but I'll still take Tom Brady. The slice and the dice and the cut. And he, what Aaron does is he just gives you that big bomb effect. Boom, touchdown, and he just overwhelms you. Tom Brady does this with a knife, slowly cuts, and a million cuts, and a million cuts, and a million cuts, and you bleed to death, slowly and painfully. That's Tom Brady, okay? And honestly, I think that's what, when you talk with the LeBron debate and Kobe, LeBron gives you that power, gives you the stats, if you will, but the guy that constantly cuts you and constantly takes you on the block even if he shoots it a lot of times, it's making you work. Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan, that's why they defeated their defenders so much, which is why it's hard for me with LeBron. He's never been really a one-on-one type player, ever. You One-on-one, you have to rely on a lot of skill. And LeBron's a skilled, skilled athlete, but he also is bigger, faster, and stronger than everyone. When you take away his ability to take go to the rim and bulldoze, what moves is he going to have? Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan relied on skill set. LeBron relied on a lot of athleticism and IQ. I'm not saying Kobe and them weren't smart, but when it comes to passing, LeBron's always been A1 with that. He's always been one of the best. Same thing what happens when I'm talking Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady has been the clutchest 
athlete we've ever seen. Yeah, uh, you can say Aaron Rodgers has been clutched in regular season moments, and yeah, he's got a Super Bowl, but he's got one Super Bowl. Tom Brady's got multiple. Tom Brady was never the reason they lost the Super Bowl either. So, I don't understand why this debate happens, but it, it's a nonsensical debate that everyone just wants to have something to talk about and chime in and want to say this and that, and I'm not about that. I'm about looking at analytics and being able to have hardcore data or watch the actual athletes go against each other, which I'm glad I'm able to see with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. And it's hard to tell with football because it's not really one-on-one or an individual-type sport like basketball can be. But I do enjoy watching a good game. So moving on from the NFL again, we'll get into more preview on Wednesday. Not a lot of review because it wasn't a big weekend this weekend anyway. Not a lot of big games uh, happened in college football. Like I told you, Texas was upset. Georgia blew out. Uh, uh, Georgia blew out Florida. And the other game, two things I do want to talk about. Washington State. I talked a little bit about them. I'm really, I'm really, I've always been a big fan of Mike Leach, and he has not yet won a conference championship. He was really close in 08 with Texas Tech. I hope that happens this year. I think they have the best team in the Pac-12. I really want them in the Rose Bowl. And to be honest with you, I think someone needs a top program needs to hire Mike Leach. It's obvious. He's won at both Washington State and Texas Tech. You can win at those two places. You can win anywhere else at a top major program. I'm telling you. So if I'm Auburn, I'm willing to give him a look and a listen. All right, Washington State and James Franklin. James Franklin of Penn State said Trace McSorley is the best player in the country. Okay, there's a reason why he's struggling, and Brian Greasy wanted to make an analysis against the Penn State-Iowa game that, oh, Trace McSorley has receivers 22 drops this year. That's just unbelievable. Well, remember the previous years, McSorley just threw balls up for grabs to Gusecki and Godwin, their elite receiver and tight end. I never thought he ever threw a really, I mean, he threw a couple of good footballs, but a lot of it was just Hail Marys, and the receiver went up and got it. Well, when you don't have those elite receivers, you got to be able to throw the football and be able to make pinpoint passes. McSorley can't do that, but he can do stuff with his legs. But I, I just don't buy the mantra that he's Baker Mayfield. He's not any of that. I'm not a big fan of Trace McSorley either, and I'm not a big fan of James Franklin, which is why I hope Penn State gets obliterated next week uh, against Michigan. Um, I said we were going to do some fun stuff to end the show. There's a guy named Zion Williamson, and this is what I'm going to have. Doc joining us. When you see Zion play, and this is a grown man in an 18-year-old's body. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. This is an 18-year-old in a grown man's body. Let me rephrase that. 6'7", 265 or 285? He's 285. Okay. 6'7", 6'8", 285. And if you watch highlights, I know he's playing against roast beef tech of the poor. He's playing against Catholic tech, whatever you want to call these small Division II schools. But I think you will agree with me, Dakis, that the man is a manimal, and I just don't see him not being successful in college and in pro. He's definitely going to be successful. Uh, I'm just waiting for him to get to the NBA. Um, <laughs> Did you see him? I mean, have it, you seen it, his I, highlights of him? How he looks I'm, like a mini LeBron? I'm not I, calling him LeBron yet, but his ability yeah, to dominate it has a Shaq like effect. That, that's what I was getting to. I, to be honest, and I told people this back in high school, you know, a lot of people from, uh, you know, 
Instagram. You know, they like to talk sports. And I was bringing him up uh, a few years ago when he was 16. I found out about him on Instagram. He had like maybe 20, 30 followers. And I was like, this kid is the next thing. He's the, you know, he's the truth. And a lot of people kept telling me like, nah, he's playing against, you know, private school talent and he's not really that good. I said, watch him. Hey, I was one of them that said he's playing <laughs> against private school talent. I said Zion Williamson was going to be overrated. He didn't have a jump shot. I didn't know he would become more physically of yeah. a freak even more because I always say this. When kids dominate in high school, sometimes it's the level of competition and then they get to a level where everyone has the same talent as them and only the great will go above and beyond. Zion's done that. He got to that level and just took it to another level and got stronger, bigger, faster, and he's learning from Coach K. I should have known that was going to happen. I should have known Zion Williamson was going to be an absolute freak of nature. So what he's got going on at Duke, um, I'm really excited about their basketball program. Sorry about Auburn's basketball program. As you said, I I can't wait till he gets into the uh, pros, but I'm looking forward to what's happening in college. So, again, a little bit of a review of what we talked about. Talked about Justin Fields. Thinking about transferring. No, it's not come out yet newsworthy-wise, but I have heard and read articles and stuff on 247 and people that are involved with Georgia program that are saying that, again, Justin Fields promised playing time, didn't get much playing time on Saturday. Justin Fields is probably going to be looking to transfer. He looked defeated. If you're looking defeated after a 19-point win, it tells me one thing, one thing only. You were promised playing time, you didn't get it, and you're thinking about transferring. He's not about to sit another season. And honestly, I think Fromm's the type of guy they'll stay for four years all the way to a senior year to graduate. I, I just don't see, again, Justin Fields staying in Georgia. And I think that's going to hurt recruiting. I think they won the game. It looks good on the field, but off the field, I think they're question marks now. And I think Kirby Smart's going to learn from this. It's not fireworthy, but the play calling against Florida, Jim Chaney, that could be coming back to haunt you. Maybe not against Kentucky, maybe not against Auburn, but against teams that are just as talented as you, a.k.a. Alabama. You don't have elite play calling. You're not beating them. Uh, we also got into LeBron goat debate. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. Um... I know it bothers him that he's chasing someone that he's never going to catch, but he's got to get that out of his head. He's the one that lost against Dallas, all right? He chose to leave Miami and go back to Cleveland. Kyrie and them get hurt. He lost. I don't even count that first one they lost because the fact that he got two wins against Golden State in 2014, 2015 without Kyrie, Kevin Love, was impressive. And then you stay in Cleveland and you saw what Golden State does. They get Kevin Durant, so you really can't fault him for that. But I can't fault him for losing the San Antonio Spurs, Bud Salt, and it wasn't just losing to them. They got obliterated in four games, four out of the five games. Just dominated in the 2014 finals and the embarrassment that was the 2011 finals. That's something that's not on the resume of Michael Jordan. And I know many people want to say, well, the Celtics blew out Kobe Bryant. The Celtics had Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Ray Allen. All right. The first- and this was before Pau Gasol was considered to be a Hall of Famer. The first, as Doc East wanted to say, big three. And Kobe, LeBron James, they were not favored in that. Boston was the better team, and they ended up winning the series. Same thing happened when they lost to the Pistons. Now, I, I, I'll give you the Pistons' loss, but that's more on Shaq, to be honest with you. That's when Shaq's dominant. But you had Shaq, Kobe, Carl, and Gary Payton, and you couldn't win the championship. <laughs> yes, that's embarrassing, but it does not even equivalent it's not even equal to losing. Uh, I just made up a word too. <laughs> to losing uh, to the my, the Dallas Mavericks. So again, I don't, I don't know why he just sat there and interrupted me. 
I know all is well. Um, so again, NBA, we're, we talk, we're going to talk a little bit more NBA on Wednesday. I want to save some stuff too. Again, thank y'all for listening and being part of the best pound-for-pound pound sports talk radio show around. Those that listen on SoundCloud that will give a listen now, I apologize the way the show started off. Technical difficulties, but again, all is well. Um, we were able to finish the show. We got into Justin Fields. We got into some college football. We got into some NBA and LeBron talk. Um, what is going on with Kyrie? I mean, with Kyrie Irving is something that, that I do want to talk about real quickly, and I know you do too. We have two and a half minutes. Well, actually, you know what? We'll go over a little bit. So we'll have eight minutes. So we'll get into this. Uh, the Kyrie Irving. This is NBA basketball. I did want to get into Kyrie Irving. Doc, he's, tell them, tell the audience what he, what was posted. Um, it, it it was Jason Tatum feeling like he's better than Kyrie, and that's never. I mean, I'm not gonna say. No, this. what was the interview? Remember, you told me Kyrie said oh, something. Oh, Kyrie was saying, um, you know, he has to just remain cool. He has to remain. He has to remember the overall goal on why they're, you know, what they're chasing and what the the main goal is to do. So he's tell he said in the interview verbatim that he has to remain cool and just don't worry about it. Be cool. So he's basically saying, I can't get the points, the star status, the reason I came to Boston to be the guy, I can't do that right now, and I have to be cool. If I'm a teammate of his, I'm turning up my playmaking that much more to to tell him, I don't know why you came to Boston to think, oh, you're just going to come here and walk over us and be the man. That's just not going to happen. I agree with everything you said, and I think, too, what is happening is that he has got this mindset because he's Kobe Bryant. He wants to be the guy in Boston, and Jason Tatum was that guy last year and led him in the playoffs, so now they're having a battle of wills. But if you're Kyrie Irving, why are you doing this as a teammate? This is second place. You're going to do this now, and after one time, we can give you a pass. The second time is starting to question your your overall mindset in the game. Are you trying to win championships like you say you are? Because if you have to tell yourself on a team that is as talented as Boston, just be happy, just be happy, that's ridiculous, okay? You're struggling, Terry Rozier is not. Accept it. You're going to get better. All is fine. But what you're doing, creating a cancer on a team that has Brad Stevens going for it and all the talent surrounding you, and yet this is what you want to talk about, uh, it makes me question where your mindset's at as a supposedly leader of an organization. And you want people to pay you max dollars? He's not getting You want to go to New York City and be the guy? Well, if you're the guy in New York City and stuff starts going wrong, how are you going to handle it? Because it seems, if we go back in your past, when you don't like stuff, you pick a, you pitch a tantrum. I mean, you pitch a tantrum. And you whine and wham, and you not get your way and... You saw what happened with Dion. You get in a fight with Dion Waiters, and he has to be traded. And Bron, you need to be traded from Bron. And now you're in Boston, and now you need you need more points. You sound like a brat, a brat, okay? And I understand a little bit of his mindset of, hey, I've won a championship, so it's my time, not Tatum's. But AKA, like Shaq and Kobe. When you come in hurt or you come in out of shape, not working on your game, and someone's starting to get a little bit better than you and start off better than you, you can't get mad at them. You can't get mad at the organization. And honestly, that's on you. Kyrie had a very busy uh, summer this year. He had a movie come out. He has a lot of more endorsements. I don't yeah, think, I still haven't seen the movie. I, yeah, it's trash. Um, I'm sorry, <laughs> no disrespect, but I, I haven't seen it either. And I'm 
I'm not a fan of NBA basketball players doing anything outside of that. Like, uh, yeah. But one thing I did talk to with one of my analysts, uh, DJ Absolute. Uh, DJ Absolute. <laughs> we both. I told him. I said, you know, you know what the problem is. Jason Tatum. And Kyrie Irving, who are their favorite player? Who's their favorite player? Kobe Bryant, and they, they both got the killer instinct to be the guy. You can't have too too many Mamba mentalities on one team. No, it has to be the Jason Tatum or Kyrie. Yeah. Me, I'm picking Jason Tatum. He's taller, more physical. That's what I'm going. I am too. He's also younger, and he is the definition of a two-way player, which has not old. been the mantra of Kyrie Irving. Sorry, Kyrie. So either get on board or watch your. Uh, career go downhill. I'm a fan. I yeah. love Kyrie. I do too, but I think there's a guy too backing him up, Terry Rozier. He's coming for you, Kyrie. He's stealing your moves too. Thank y'all for listening. Thank you, Doc East Wright, for joining us. Wendell will be back on Wednesday when we do our live stream of the Sports Maniac here on Nothing Was Handed TV. Thank y'all for listeners on 88.5 WCUG Coup. Gert Radio. Make sure to share the video on Facebook, leave a comment, and listen to all the great, wonderful shows coming up this week, like uh, Tibble of Tunage, which is classic rock, Nerd Alert, Power Up, which is video games, The Graveyard Shift, and more. Thank y'all for being a part of the best pound for pound sports talk radio show around, the best radio show around here on 88.5 WCUG Cougar Radio. Listen, SoundCloud, search WCUG, give it a like, give it a listen, and we will see you on Wednesday. This is Drop the Gloves on 88.5 WCUG. On 88.5 WCUG. On 88.5 WCUG. Cougar Radio. He's going to get it, guys.